Good afternoon, Chair Riley and EDAC members. This meeting is being held pursuant to Government Code Section 54953E and in light of the declared state of emergency, the regular meeting of the Economic Development Advisory Committee for February 7th, 2022 will be conducted telephonically through Zoom and broadcast live on the city's website. Thank you, Serge, and thank you for coordinating this meeting. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the February 7th Economic Development Advisory Committee meeting. We've got a great agenda today. Uh, but first off, I want to take a moment to um, welcome Council Member Jill Hoffman, who is joining us for the first time as our new Council Member Liaison along with Councilmember Ian Sobieski. And uh, so welcome, Jill. And I also want to thank our Mayor Kelman, who uh, has been our liaison, but she's passing that responsibility on to Jill. But Mayor Kelman is going out with a bang and she's going to be uh, leading a presentation with us today on sea level rise. So we're very fortunate to have uh, Mayor Kelman here with us. Um, today's agenda is pretty packed, so I will try to keep us moving quickly. Um, I generally go over a highlight of what's coming up, but you should all have that in front of you. So let's just go right to roll call. So I'm going to ask Serge, please, can you do a roll call for us? Sure. Bob Lulane? A present. Don DeRay? Here. Rachel Todd? Present. Todd Thornburg. Present. Monica Finnegan. I'm here. John Daglow. Here. Terry Teresa Ancona. Present. Vice Chair Kaz Green. I'm here. And Chair Riley. I am here as well. So um, before we move on, I'd like to ask for public comments on items that are not on our agenda. And before we jump in, I do wanna highlight that uh, we had two uh, email public comments come in. They are posted to the agenda, but I'd like to summarize them. Um, Kevin Carroll of Saucedo Taxi, I believe has also joined this call, submitted a letter um, basically around the lack of public transit opportunities for people to come into the ferry to get buses or um, transit to like the Muir Woods shuttle or to get to Cavallo Point or Discovery Museum. And so he is uh, asked that we take a look into that. We also had a public comment from Seth Williams, who is the owner of the Williams Group Marine, uh, a very successful marine business that sells uh, protector boats. Um, and he's struggles finding a place for his uh, boat business here in Sausalito and asked for help on um, maritime businesses finding locations. Um, so with that, Serge, can we see if there's uh, any public comment for items not on the agenda? Chair yeah, Riley, would you like me to read an introductory um, um, script just to let people know how to provide public comment? Yes, please do. Video or audio participation is limited to three minutes per speaker. If you would like to make a comment, Please raise your hand in the Zoom application and you will be called upon when it's your time to speak. To raise your hand from a phone, press start nine and each speaker will be notified when the time has elapsed. And Chair Riley, it looks like we do have a hand raised and it's Dirk um, asked to unmute and show the video. 
Hello, Dirk. Hi. Well, congratulations. It sounded like everybody's present at this meeting. I um, wanted to echo uh, the the boat builder. I live um, in Sausalito out on the docks at Issaquah Docks near uh, Mike's Bikes. And 18 years ago, I founded a, an organization that deploys uh, deep sea robotic submarines to survey the, the oceans along our coasts and uh, also internationally. And we are looking for a place to relocate. We're currently over across the Bay in Richmond, but I've stumbled across an incredible network of um, fabricators, artisans, uh, down in the Marin Ships area, and it's a real synergy of talent down there that I'd like to tap into. And uh, so I've been looking around for new space for a while, and John Duray reached out to me and is trying to help me find a reasonable price um, place for our office and workshop there. We are a nonprofit, so we're always trying to mind our pennies and really put the, the funds towards uh, deep sea exploration. So thank you very much for your time. If anybody has any leads, please let me know because I'd love to be down there. Dirk, we uh, hope to help find a space and thanks for your nonprofit and that exciting work. Um, sounds really, really cool. Riley, we do have another public commenter and that's Kevin Carroll. Kevin, you've been unmuted and asked to share your video. Welcome, Kevin. Kevin, you are on mute. And hopefully you're not driving. Can you hear me now? Thank you, Trace. Uh, I, I won't go into any more detail about the letter. It's pretty obvious I've been spreading it around. Marin Transit meets the same day you do, so at the next meeting, um, I one of the staff members indicated they're going to have a report at their next month's meeting, and I'll pass that along when I get it. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for your letter. Okay, Serge, any other public comment? Uh, Chair Riley, looks like we don't have any more public, but Julie Vieira does have her hand raised. Julie, please. Julie, you are on mute. Um, do you have a comment? Thanks. I just want to reiterate what Kevin had on his letter. We do receive a lot of visitors that come in and even locals that come in that don't know we have a, um, that we no longer have a transit to Mere Woods because they go and stand in front of the ice house. The ice house is not open they wait for that shuttle and when the shuttle doesn't come because it's still on the list there that it will come there. Um, so it is really important that we try to figure out what is gonna happen, especially for those people that want to want to go to Mere Woods and see if we can find out and partner with Mere Woods or the shuttle service and see if we can get it back into Sausalito at some point. Agreed, Julie, and I noticed actually at the ferry landing on the, the fence there, they still have a sign that says you can pick up a Mirrorwood shuttle. Yes, yes, time. and people are really confused. Okay, let me shut my door. 
sorry about that. Okay, um, let's move on to item. Uh, any more public comment, Serge? Uh, Chair Riley, we have no further comments at this point. All right, we're gonna move on to item 3A, which is to approve the minutes from our January 10th meeting, which was our last meeting. Do you have any comments or a motion to approve? I'll put forward a motion to approve the minutes. I will I'll second. Go ahead. Somebody second. <laughs> All right. We'll take Monica's second. Um, Serge, can you do a roll call, please? Bob Lalane. Approved. John Garay. Approved. Rachel Stodd. Approved. Scott Thornburg. Approved. Monica Finnegan. Approved. John Daglow. Approved. Teresa Ancona. Approved. Vice Chair Green. Approved. Chair Riley. Approved. Thank you. Moving on to uh, business item 4A, uh, we're going to get a marketing update. Um, and I don't know if it's going to be Scott or Monica leading that discussion, but uh, the floor is yours. <laughs> Scott, you go first. I can go first. And I think we have Kevin from CDA on the line. Yeah, there, Kevin is here. So um, I'm actually just going to hand the bill over to Kevin to talk a little bit about the work CDA has been doing last month. Thank you. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you, everybody. Uh, <laughs> appreciate it. Let me uh, just hop over here and share my screen. And while, while Kevin's doing that, I'll just welcome Kevin back and say, welcome back. He was out for a couple weeks. Uh, his his family welcomed a new uh, new baby. So congratulations, Kevin. Uh, while he was away, we had um, some of the rest of the CDA team supporting us and they did a great job at this stead, so. Um, hold just one second. I'm having a bit of a uh, we may need to, my screen. I we may, may need to make you a co-host. Oh, you are a co-host, okay. Uh, yeah, apologies. It looks like there's some, I'm getting some kind of an error here. I'm trying to share my screen right now. Uh, well, in the interest of everyone's time, uh, can we do something a little bit silly? Scott, would you mind if I shared uh, yeah. this with you and you can share your screen and I'll just yeah. talk to it? Yeah, I don't know why I'm getting this, this error message coming up, but I don't want to waste anyone's time on it. So let me just forward an email to Scott Thornburg right now with the link to it. Um, real quick, I'll just start talking through because we don't necessarily need a visual for everything. So um, real quick, uh, just an overview of the update. Um, we did a couple of different things over the past few weeks. One, we put together our first um, uh, behavior-based itinerary, which was wellness getaways, relax and recharge in Sausalito. Um, that went live, I think, two weeks ago on the Destination Sausalito website. We've been doing outreach to local media, uh, and some uh, influencers, freelance uh, journalists re regarding trying to just kind of generate interest and people wanting to participate in that. Uh, and we've actually gotten a little bit of interest so far um, in terms of, uh, I spoke with uh, Visit California. They're very interested in putting together a piece on Sausalito that focuses on wellness and relaxation. They particularly liked um, the angle of how the downtown of Sausalito is so interconnected to all these trails and cycling opportunities without having to leave the shopping uh, center and then drive somewhere for the outdoor adventure that it, it is all connected with the stairs and the trails so well um 
Yeah. So um, you want to jump on the page uh, two there, Scott? Thank you. Um, and so that that's uh, available on the on the website. We're also running um, search ads to that for people who are looking for ways to recharge or things to do in the Bay Area right now. Um, and uh, and that's for right now. We also have gotten interest just in terms of media outreach. There is a heavy interest right now for two things that we're seeing. Number one is family activities in South Salido. Um, I had uh, Ronnie from Ronnie's Awesome List uh, reach out to me specifically and say, we're hurting for family activities in Marin County, especially in South Salido. Like, let's do a post that's a family, like how to spend the day with your family and have fun for, the, for all ages. So that'll probably be the next piece we write because um, it's broadly applicable right now. Uh, and then also dogs, how to connect um, dog lovers to Sausalito. I know Sausalito is very dog friendly. I know probably a number of you are dog dog parents, um, but it would be great if we could connect a, you know, a shopping agenda to it just being a dog friendly town. So um, that's something I would love to get feedback from EDAC or from you know, recommendations on people we can reach out to, to put together um, material from that. What we're seeing in particular on social media is a lot of interest from dog owners in, in South Salido right now and uh, people taking their dogs there as, as part of the trip. Um, in addition, we also did uh, an initial audit of a couple of city smart apps, specifically looking at one called OneLink by Rock Solid and MyCivic. Um, and I'll get into a little more detail on each of those in just a minute as uh, a potential solution the city might be interested in. Uh, and then we got to some uh, preliminary media coverage. Um, this is more general coverage just from the last few weeks. There was uh, fun things to do in, uh, in the Bay Area on Cron, uh, and then various publications published, you know, similar announcements about, uh, about South Salido and adventures. Um, we have uh, expressed interest also from uh, Walnut Creek Magazine, but that's pushed out to May before that would become a, a, a feature. But um, they are interested in, in possibly putting together some kind of itinerary. We would schedule a visit with one of their writers uh, to do a, like a whole piece about about Salisbury, uh, focusing on it as a luxury travel destination. All right, uh, next slide, please, Scott. All right, so we looked at two different apps. I'm going to go briefly over uh, just kind of the initial features for both. So the first one's called Rock Solid or One Link. The both of these apps have a kind of a base level price, and then if you add more features on, it becomes increasingly more and more expensive. Um, the base level price for OneLink is 500 a month, uh, and they'll just waive a one-time setup fee. Um, they're a little bit more of a disruptor than the other one, which is MyCivic, um, and they estimate it would be between four to six weeks to implement from the time they get the green light. Um, what's kind of unique about them is that they have the mobile app, which is essentially an extension of the city website. It would have the sim similar information that you find on the website, um, but it has this much more robust kind of communications tool. So you can do uh, what's called in-app push notifications where you just sign up for that. And as long as you have the app on your phone and you've agreed to get this, you can get specific kinds of push notifications uh, based on different topics and channels. So for example, if you want updates about COVID-19 or if you want updates about restaurants or events, you will get actively pushed those notifications. Um, and those of course have a much higher uh, open rate than email does because it's getting pushed to you in real time. You see the alert on your phone um, versus email marketing where you know you kind of have to hit the right per the person at the right time with the right subject line and then they voluntarily will click the open email. They also have an SMS module, so it's a, that's like text messaging alerts, but that costs that costs more. 
And that's really their big focus. They have like content, um, but the more content you put, the more kind of expensive it gets. Um, their big uh, their big focus is what they call re um, uh, civic communications or resident communications. So for example, somebody could report a pothole uh, and they can customize that report and that goes straight to the city and there can be a direct exchange of communication happening there and it, it gets attributed to the person who submitted it. And then you can look into analytics like, hey, how are people giving us feedback about our own city? So it's also a nice kind of analytics tool for what are people having challenges with, what are people reporting, um, and what are people uh, requesting. They have a very polished operation, it needs to be said, because Sausalito doesn't have a massive, you know, Los Angeles-sized city infrastructure where you'll have teams of people administering this as, a, as an additional thing on top of the website. Um, so it's nice that they have that team. They're very responsive. I found them to be far more responsive than the other one. Um, and they have a pretty simple administration, but it definitely requires training. I can share a photo in a minute, but it's not, it's not an immediately like user-friendly <laughs> like backends to make updates to the app or anything like that. Um, but they're, they're quick, quick to turn around. They have a templated approach. So it's not like you're hiring a designer to go in and customize your app. You just go from a template. They use Salsalito's colors, logos, some PNG files for backgrounds. Um, and then again, the main focus is gonna be on that interactive messaging plus having information that would be available on other URLs. So like you click a link and you get information. Uh, let's go to the next page. And the other one we looked at was MyCivic. I think this is the one that was shared with us. Um, they did the Taylor Texas app. Uh, they have a lower base price with a you know $1,000 one-time setup, um, but it very rapidly scales as you add more and more features. Very modular, so it's like you add this, it costs a little more, you add this, it costs a little more. For that, it's very hard for them to even give a price proposal or estimate until they've had some in-depth discussions with the city to gauge to gauge the interest. Um, they are specifically focused on the mobile app for the city, not as much the messaging. That would be an add-on that they would do. Um, I talked to him about what kind of business objectives this would help the city with. Uh, and just as with one, one link, the emphasis is on quality of life for residents, right? This is not a revenue generation tool. You can, for example, uh, have like uh, events on a calendar and you can put out, uh, if a business has a big promotion, you could do a push notification about that business promotion, but it's definitely not what these tools are designed for. They're designed to just improve the day-to-day -day quality of life of business owners and of, of residents um, to make it easier for them to get information or to communicate with the, their city representatives. Um, Couple things to know about MyCivic is in the world of tech, there's acquisition and changing happening constantly. The pedigree right now of the people running the app is not the pedigree of the people who built it. It was recently acquired and the founding team have all since departed. So this is not the same, necessarily the same app that it was you know, two years ago. Uh, um, and I found it just in our outreach to try to get concrete information about this app, they were actually challenging to get a lot of information about it would be a, a slow to respond and the information wasn't quite as as detailed uh, as we wanted they seemed less hungry for business if that makes sense um but uh they they are again more of kind of an, an app approach both of these apps you'll probably notice if you do like a google search there's lots of examples of different cities using them in different ways like some of them have audio tours built in or an integration with waze or yelp or Lyft, like ride-sharing apps, 
but that's all like custom, more expensive stuff that would have to be done uh, custom for, for the city. That's not something that's out of the box, a feature that Sausalito could use. So the questions to kind of be thinking about in terms of the viability of these uh, is, you know, the monthly price is not enormous for either an entry level, but what is the business objective that we're looking at? Um, you know, it, and, and then to what degree is this redundant with the city website and the current newsletter? Um, because not, you know, there is going to be a certain degree of work put into building the app and setting it up, and then obviously the cost of just maintaining the software, but also promoting the app, right? It's, you know, we can build it, but until you have 1,500 people who have installed the app and signed up for push notifications on their phone, it's it's actual, like, value to the city is going to be limited. Um, so, you know, that that said, a number of cities are, are using these apps, and they're, they're definitely investing in this as a big quality of life improvement for residents, and um, it's something that somebody would think about in that all right, let's go to the next page. All right, so now I'm just gonna go through our uh, results um, that we're going in. Obviously, we're just one month into 2022 at this point. Um, let's go into the next page. And as always, we'll break it down to earned, owned, and paid media. All right, so uh, looking at earned media, basically PR, we've had 10 published posts so far, um, including a traditional audience, which is the cron for placement, about 43,000 people and uh, about 100,000 estimated coverage views for digital placements so far. Um, let's go to the next page. Um, in terms of social followers, uh, in the past month, we've gained about a follower per day to uh, Instagram, which has been very nice given where we're, we're kind of starting at. Um, and our reach continues to be well above the follower count. So um, the reach is not quite as high as it was during the time we were promoting all the Christmas events. Um, but we're still going well above the like actual number of followers in terms of who's actually seeing the Instagram content. Uh, and the engagement rate has actually improved um, uh, a little bit on Instagram. Uh, the monthly search volume is pretty much holding steady. We're not noticing any big changes since last month, which makes sense. There haven't been any major announcements in the news. Um, and hashtag volume has increased you know, uh, slightly as well. So we're just gonna, gonna keep watching that trend to see how much it's increasing month over month. This is our first month of tracking a change. Um, if we jump into paid media, number of impressions, meaning the number of people who actually had a search ad served on their device this month was 6,000 uh, times an ad was served on one device to one person. And that drove about 364 clicks through to this itinerary that we released uh, two weeks ago. Um, so those are just people who are viewing that and getting educated about, you know, what they can do for like kind of a wellness experience in Sausalito. Uh, if we go to the very last page here, um, profiling our paid audience, it's been pretty consistent with what we were seeing with the holiday ads. Um, the one thing is we're getting a little bit less than Sacramento Modesto, but marginally different. Um, and we've had a Higher, uh, higher percentage of the people who have been uh, engaging with the searches have been lower income. And by lower income, I don't mean, you know, at the poverty level, I just mean in the lower 70%, right? They're not in the top 30% of income. Um, and so uh, we'll actually probably be doing a little targeting just to try to be reaching people with a higher discretionary uh, spending potential because the, the marketing dollars just go for it. So um, that's the change we're gonna be making to the search ads, which have only at this point been live for one week since the beginning of February. And that wraps up uh, my update, thank you.
All right, so um, just a quick note, um, if you're wondering where we started looking at a smart cities apps. Um, so we've, we've been thinking about ways and um, that we can engage residents and, and looking for additional owned channels where we can communicate directly to residents. So um, this is one idea we've been kind of noodling over um, and we'll be continuing to discuss and think about. Um, and so if you have thoughts or um, ideas, uh, please send them our way. We'll be discussing some more in, uh, in our, um, some of our subcommittees uh, coming out. Hey, Scott, this is Tom. So just in the spirit of discussion, when I first heard about the idea of a you know, smart app, I was thinking of an app geared towards visitors that they would download for their daily visit and it would promote businesses or take them to you know, sites and, or even help them plan an itinerary before they showed up. Um, what Kevin shared was more towards our community and residents. And that would seem like something we would share with our director of communications, Abbott, uh, and he could determine if that would help them. But is there such an app for visitors to plan itineraries and promote businesses? Uh, yeah, there, and those are even features. You can look at the apps that we just talked about. You could create features like that for apps like that. The question is one of friction for a visitor. Typically, when you're talking about a mobile app, um, it's a you're, you're dealing with a limited amount of real estate on your mobile device. And so the incentive, there has to be an immediate and obvious incentive for the person to install that app and leave that app on their phone, right? Um, so that is something where if the app had, for example, some kind of you know uh, unique promotion, things that you couldn't get on the website or by going to Yelp or something like that, right? If it had something that was really unique and special just on the app, or really easily accessible on the app that wasn't easily accessible in other places, um, then that then that kind of makes sense. But it's um, it's it's a kind of a question to ask of you know is it worth promoting the app versus promoting web content that would have the same information, right? Um, because you know a resident may habitually use this app every day or every week, but typically a mobile app if you're not using it constantly, it doesn't justify its price tag uh, for being an always-on channel. Uh, and I would imagine someone who doesn't live in Sausalito or who doesn't constantly visit Sausalito, uh, they may not want to have that taking up you know, space on their, on their phone. Uh, it could be something where if, you, in partnership with a hotel or something, where if the person is staying for a week, right, then they're really going to want to have this one-stop, easy access where the hotels can promote. Hey, download the, the Destination Sausalito app, and it's going to have all of this great uh, information for you to help plan every day that you need here. Um, but yeah, in general, it comes down to um, that habitual habitual usage, which is a little tougher for visitors. Well, I would. Well, Don has his hand up. So Don, please. Yeah, I I was just going to raise. I think that this topic is worth some more discussion by the uh, within EDAC, maybe specifically for the marketing team in the question of if our goal is to increase tax revenues by bringing in, uh, uh, by maximizing the benefits of visitors by drawing local and regional visitors uh, who are gonna spend more when they're in town as opposed to a mass of people who are gonna come through and spend 49 cents. Um, we keep hearing input from people that we have visitors who seem to fit the profile we're after, 
but land here and aren't sure what to do next, even if it were a transitory app, I think it's worth discussing. I'm not sure what the answer is, but it's worth discussing whether that might actually be worthwhile in terms of how it would generate an ROI downstream in tax revenues through enhancing business. Uh, so I think that's worthy of discussion. Uh, and I would I would respectfully suggest we don't just toss that aside, but we, we have it be something we, we talk about and investigate a little. Okay, uh, Bob, thank you. Yeah, as part of Don's comments on the tax revenue, wasn't it our last meeting we had uh, wanted to see if we can get some data, historical data on tax revenue, current, you know, versus a 2019 gross yep. receipts tax something? Bob, we have that uh, based on the calendar, we have that set for the March meeting uh, when okay. it last quarter. So it isn't, uh, it hasn't been submitted to the city yet, but the organization that's uh, pulls the tax data together will be invited to our next meeting. Thank you. Um, I, I would like to share uh, one, I think what Kevin shared about mobile apps geared towards residents, I think is something I would like to have as a resident too. It's just kind of easier to get your communications, what have you. But I, I believe that falls under Abbott Chambers responsibility mm -hmm. and we should share the information we have with him and see if he feels that that'll serve the, the residents better. And then I agree with Don, we should have a separate conversation on, is there a way to engage our visitors? And, and the ones we're targeting are overnight lengthier stay visitors to help them put together itineraries, um, which will maybe even extend their trips a day or two if we give them some more ideas. So uh, we should have a discussion on that as well. Uh, Scott, you have a comment? Yeah, just a final thought there. Um, I agree with, with all of what's been said. The one thing I will mention though, is that I think we have a, um, you know, roughly 7,000 people here locally that could be supporting our local businesses better maybe than they are today. And so I think one of the, the goals of, uh, of having a, some, some kind of an app like this, and we, we're doing a lot with Abbott already with the currents, we're doing a lot with um, some of our other communications, but, um, but I do think one of the primary goals that we should be focused on is how do we drive economic impact and, uh, from within the community. Um, and and I, I completely agree with you, Tom. I think this is something that would fall under Abbott's realm um, in terms of communicating out to residents. But I do think there's a direct economic benefit um, that comes from having residents know more of what's going on in the city so they can be uh, support. Um, that was one of the reasons we started doing, you know, things like Wednesday Night Live is to get residents engaged on those weeknights when we don't have as many visitors coming through and we need local community to support businesses. So um, so I think it's both. I think, yes, we can absolutely look at um, how we may be able to attract more visitors with um, you know, an, an application or other, other creative ways to distribute that information. Um, but I also think there's this um, other audience of just locals that we can do a better job of communicating with. Um, and something like this would give us yet another owned channel that we would control and could then um, dis distribute information to. So, um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll just say is I, I think we can do both. Uh, and I, I, I mean, I like the idea of a one-stop app, right? Where instead of going to the city website and looking through currents and going to destination sauce, I mean, if there's one place where you could find everything, it'd be, it would be nice. Okay. Um, thank you. Um, 
while still on item 4A, we had one other item, and I noticed that Malcolm Morgan has joined us. And we were going to see if the hands up, Tom, sorry, Julie and Kevin. Yeah, well, Kevin will have to wait till public comment. Sorry. Julie, you have a comment on this last item? I do, Tom. I would say that we truly do need something for visitors because they come into the visitor center, they get off the ferry, they have no idea they're going to be here two hours or three hours. They don't know, they know they want to come to Sausalito, but they don't know what there is to do here. And we spend a lot of time each day giving people, okay, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to eat? Do you want to shop? Do you want to walk along the water? And we go through down our list and give them ideas. They don't have an idea when they get here. So maybe, yeah, maybe something that they could actually have on the ferry, just like a short, because I know EAC and hospitality committee used to have just a short two-sided pamphlet that they got when they got off the ferry that told them, you know, what you could do in two hours, what you could do in three hours. Maybe we resurrect that. I know I've talked about it several times, but maybe that's something we go over and just resurrect that one sheet that they can have on all the ferries. I think it's just like, even like on your window or through town, have a camera so that people scan. They just download the app and it's like, for every restaurant, every hotel, place to go hiking and walking. And what's nice about that is someone downloads it for the day, but it sits on their phone. They might go back to it a week or two later and go, hey, let me plan another trip there. Yes. So- QR code is an excellent idea, Tom. Yeah, and it's just easy to download. We're all doing it at restaurants all the time for menus. So everyone's kind of trained on a QR code. Okay. Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. And I think we still have some copies of that that we just have to just change a few words in it and reuse it. Yeah. Okay. All right, thank you. Still on item 4A. So I was gonna ask Malcolm if he's had a chance to get any feedback from the maritime industry if there's any support that we at EDAC or the city can provide as we get ready for opening day and voting season. So I've directly reached out to about 20 different marine businesses. Um, haven't had a lot of response. Um, interestingly, like SeaTrack and the more visitor-driven businesses seems really eager to do some sort of cooperative marketing with the city. The service businesses, sail lofts, engine repair shops, I'm gonna to have to actually go uh, land in their office to try to get some sort of response. Um, because these shops are all pretty busy, I understand. But SeaTrack um, in particular, um, I don't know if any of you saw, I made sort of a tongue in cheek little promo video over the weekend. Um, I think one of the things we're sort of missing is that there's this entire waterfront side of the city that you don't see unless you are out on the water looking back at our floating homes and the restaurants and the harbors and all the incredible marine life that's here. So I think my emphasis would be on something that focuses on the actually, you know, being out on the water. Um, the QR codes around town are great. Um, actually wondering as I'm listening to this conversation, are the apps smart enough to be location specific so it knows, like is there some layering with Google Maps or ways or something so that the app users 
the app would know where they are and could direct them to the nearest bathrooms, the nearest uh, restaurants, you know, for the type of food they want to select, something like that? Do we know? Yeah, you would do it through an um, API integration with probably some existing third-party vendor that, that does that, right? So the app would kind of be the, the framework on which it sits, and then you would, you would have a third-party maps partner um, that you would just partner with, and you would just either be able to access that in a few tap in the app, or the data would just flow in, into the app, depending on how custom the uh, integration would be. So what I think, again, is this is way out of my skill set, um, you know, these apps and, and integrating with different uh, features like that. But if there was some sort of, uh, you know, series of five buttons pop up when they first open the app, one of them being voting, so that would point to the sailing school, boat charters, or the kayak rentals, um, the ferry itself. Uh, then another button that would take them to restaurants, dining, um, sightseeing, hiking. We've got these wonderful walking trails around town. Um, and I would be happy to keep working on the, um, the waterfront and the waterborne side of that with the local businesses here. But again, I'm going to have to go, I need a little more time to go actually knock on some doors and see if there's anything, uh, because email doesn't seem to be reaching people. Well, one, thank you, Malcolm, for the outreach. And it's good you got the, the visitor-oriented uh, businesses that would like some assistance. Um, what we can do is maybe like the week after next, have you join us in our marketing subcommittee and see if we can have uh, some better ideas because March, April is around the corner, right? And if we're going to do some marketing support the maritime businesses, which we'd like to do, we have to start coming up with some ideas and some businesses to promote. And um, and also like the idea of you know if we do go down the path of a mobile app, how we can feature the the waterfront. Okay, yeah, I'd be happy to join that meeting. Okay, um, John Duray. Thanks, Tom. Um, I think another important component of uh, the waterfront activity, um, and I don't know if Malcolm had a chance to reach out, but um, it would be the charter boats and. Um, I think that should be a, a very important component. I can think of, you know, there's um, Fine Day for Sailing with Heather Richards, Paul Dines, Free to Be, of course, the Matthew Turner. There's probably others, but that would also qualify, I think, as a great family experience as well. So um, it's something, I think, to uh, to promote uh, in this effort. Thank you. Now, throw on that, John, all the fishing boats, too. True, uh, that's right. Yeah, so even just a feature talking about how to get on the water from Sausalito and talk about fishing boats, sailing boats, power boats, dining boats, it'd be a, a great way to draw people to town and to get on the boats. Yeah, my bad. Those those fishing boats are right out my window here, and I actually forgot to, to include them in my broadcast, so I'll go down. I can actually just walk the docks and talk to the captains. Great, thank you. Um, Councilmember Hoffman has her hand up. Welcome, Joel. Welcome. Okay, thanks. Um, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in, um, opening day on the bay, I think um, I agree. It's a great opportunity to sort of bring people in to Sausalito, first of all, and connect with our brand that we want to brand, right, which is a great waterfront community and give people access to the water. So, I, you know, maybe, Chris, we can do something through Parks and Rec, too, but um, almost as an open house, I think, or sort of a test boat show where, you know, come to Sausalito between the hours of, of 12 to 2 or something 
you know, there's going to be, you can actually go on the Matthew Trout tour it. You can actually go on to free to be and tour it. You can go on a fishing boat and just walk around on it. And then really talk to different cruising club, Sausage Yacht Club, you know, about getting people out on the water and maybe even volunteers through the yacht club or through the cruising club of will you take people out for free on the water for a 30 minute just so people can cast off from shore and and experience the water from Sausalito I think is huge it's kind of a right now it's kind of a closed system where you have to have a boat or have to have access to get out on the water um it's it's difficult to actually get on the water maybe um um you know the marina down here you know anyway there's Anyway, I'm happy to talk to Chris about that and Parks and Rec about that, about maybe, you know, how can we further exploit that? Because I think it's a great opportunity. I, I think these are all brilliant ideas of the purpose of this agenda item, right? To, to think about it in the March-April timeframe, how we can promote our maritime opportunities. So um, get on the water is a great idea. Talking about our chartering, charter boats. Um, maybe having open houses at the yacht clubs and the cruising clubs just to welcome people. So I think these are all great ideas and we can uh, start to uh, put some ideas together for March and April. Okay, any other comments from members before we go to public comment? Monica? You want public comments on maritime or public comments on marketing? Because we want to do an update on um, Wednesday Night Live. We'll, we'll do an update on Wednesday Night Live, please. Uh, let's go to let's see if John if John has a discussion on this last item before we go to Wednesday Night Live. So John. Yeah, Tom, uh, I, I forgot one uh, entity and that's the Sausalito Community Boating Center. I don't know if they're operational yet, but I mean, that's their entire purpose is to get kids out on these boats. So I don't know if anybody knows when they're actually gonna be starting, but um, if they are up and running by then, it'd be great to include them also. Thank you. Okay, let's um, finish out item 4A with an update from Monica on Wednesday Night Live. Thank you, Tom. Um, so we've had Wednesday Night Live since October and it has been, um, I think, really well received. Um, a lot of feedback I've been, re re been getting, we thought we would do it from October to March, but a lot of people have asked us if we would continue it throughout the year. So that's a question that we have to evaluate and kind of uh, study. I would like to see if we can't get some help from Parks and Rec once they have some uh, staffing uh, resolutions because that would be really helpful in terms of setting up and maybe helping manage. Um, the other thing that we've talked about, if we do extend it, um, we probably need to get a little bit of financial help in order to pay a few bands that might um, be interested. One. Uh, idea that we're researching is getting a mariachi band uh, for uh, May 4th, which is the day before um, Cinco de Mayo. And most of those are going to want a little bit of funding. So that's one of the issues that we have to um, send out. I love the idea, <clears throat> excuse me, of the smart app to residents. And I'll tell you why. Um, when we did Wednesday Night Live last week, uh, February 2nd, um, several people showed up and said, how do we know this is happening? You know, we do advertise in the currents. We advertise through the chamber. We advertise through Silicon, or Silicon Valley, through uh, Sausalito Village. Um, we do it in Nextdoor. Uh, CDA has done some work on it. 
but I think we need to do a little bit more targeted marketing and outreach somehow to the residents that surround, especially Caledonia. Um, it's a fun time and a fun place to do it because it's a lot more intimate than it is at the um, Bank of America. Um, so those are those are some comments. So th those are that's what we're looking for moving forward, um, and that that's kind of where we're looking to kind of come up with a solution or some better suggestions. And on that solution, uh, and while we have uh, the city manager on the call here or, or city clerk, um, we. We at EDAC have been allocated money to towards events. Uh, we have about $40,000 in the budget remaining for the balance of this fiscal year. And one of the ideas is for Wednesday Night Live, if we can use some of those funds to attract bands, not talking $1,000, maybe $500 to $1,000 each month to help fund a band um, to bring folks to our downtown, mostly locals, uh, in the middle of the week, uh, and therefore supporting our businesses. So. Um, at some point, maybe I uh, can have a discussion with our city manager or city clerk if that's a good use of the funds. Um, Teresa. Um, talking about marketing for like the Wednesday Night Live and so forth, I found at least um, when we put posters in the window, a lot of residents and visitors stopped, looked, read. Uh, I think it's a little old fashioned, yes, but I do think it still gets the message out and you know this town is big on people walking and walkers look in windows so i think that's something to consider as well that maybe a little old-fashioned marketing would be good too i think that's a great idea and one of the things i've tried to find is the key to the kiosk and the bus stop right there uh, by the bathrooms because that would be a great place to post some of the activities that are going on so i'll have to talk with the parks and rec guys who might be able to smash open that window or something because we can't find the key but that's a really great idea we also talked about doing some banners that we would put on the barriers uh, on caledonia the week before wednesday night live so it would have some pre-publicity going on so those are issues that we're looking at scott's helping with some of those ideas and abbott's always been very helpful in in promoting the project so I think it's a great idea. We just need to continue it and we need to get some, a little bit of help from Parks and Rec. All right, thank you, Monica. We're gonna to go to Julie and then we'll open up for public comments. We can get back to our, our schedule. So Julie, please. Yes, um, I think the posters are a great idea. We just have to make sure that we take them down when the event is over. I received a phone call this past week from an artist on Thursday morning that saw a poster and thought she needed to be down in front of the B of A building on Wednesday night. And she went down and she was the only one there. So we do, and it was an old poster, um, but she didn't notice the date. And so I think we do need to make sure if we do put posters up that we go around and we make sure we take them down so that uh, people don't get confused. Cause they just see Wednesday night. They don't look at the date, whether it's, you know, February 7th or February 4th or so I think we do need to make sure if we put posters up that we do take them down. Thank you, Julie. Okay, um, at this time, I'd like to open up for public comment on items 4A and 4B. Uh, in summary, we talked about uh, CDA's work uh, towards a month of wellness. Um, also their report on potential mobile apps. Um, we discussed Wednesday Night Live as well as a number of good ideas to support the maritime business 
and CDA shared their performance metrics. So at this time, Serge, can we go to public comments? Yes, Chair Riley, it looks like we do have three public commenters and the first one is Kevin Carroll. Kevin, you've been unmuted and asked to share your video. Um, a couple of comments. So fine. I don't know what it is about my children and grandchildren, but they don't talk. Everything's electronic. Either they, they don't want to call, they want to text. They use their phones for everything, whatever. But I've noticed one of the popular things in town are all the stores and restaurants that have put up the, the QR, QR code for the nearest, nearest restaurant. It's and amazing how many people do that. Pointing at your camera. camera. I'm not quite, quite sure where that code's coming from. from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as, as the maritime business is promoted, I've talked to a couple of the businesses, including one of the biggest boatyards, and they would love to be reached out to. And I have the contact information, which I'll I'll pass on to Tom. Um, and I think there might be a good idea to send something out on official letterhead to all the maritime businesses asking, you know, for their feedback um, and maybe arranging a meeting of some kind with city officials, because the feedback I've gotten from a couple of business owners has been, they just have felt totally ignored in the past and sort of gave up, quite frankly, of trying to get any more involvement in the city. Um, and so I think a reach out from uh, the city manager, the council would generate a lot of interest and enthusiasm. Um, and that, that's it for now. My other comments, I'll email them to you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. I look forward to your email. And I, we, we will do a reach out. I think it's good. We've been doing kind of roundtables with landlords and different businesses. And doing one with the maritime ministry, I think, would be wise. Um, hey, Serge. The next speaker is Sandra Bushmaker. Sandra, you've been unmuted and asked to share your video. Oops, I have to try again. Hold on. Hello, Sandra. Hi there. I just want to say good afternoon. And uh, I just uh, want to bring up a point that I think you should consider in um, your opening day activities. It is one of the more dangerous days on the bay because people don't wear PFDs. And there's a lot of drunken sailors out there. And uh, it's one day that I do not go out on my boat and I don't take my boat out on opening day for that very reason, except maybe to get the boat blessed in the morning and then I'm off the water. Um, but I, if you're going to encourage visitors on opening day uh, to go out on the water, I would certainly recommend that you encourage them to go out with licensed skippers on, on larger vessels rather than uh, trying to go out on kayaks, I think would be a very dangerous thing on opening day for, for the uninitiated to go out on a kayak on opening day for the reasons I just discussed. Not to be a downer, but to be, you know, put this into your formula when you're coming up with some plans. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra, very wise. Our next speaker is Peter Van Meter. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon. 
couple of ideas um, regarding the access to the waterfront. Uh, in Southern California, they have these Duffy boats. Maybe some of you are familiar with those, which are open-sided vessels that are, you know, self-driven by people. Well, you could do it in Sausalito tours with a, a skipper that comes with the boat. They're open-sided, hold about a dozen people. They have a good way to go along the waterfront. If somebody wants to start that business, might be successful. Uh, regarding promotion of events, uh, you know, we have those banner poles down by Coloma Street where you can stretch a banner all the way across Bridgeway. And I really haven't seen any banners put up there recently, but um, those were places we advertised the art festival and other events for many years. And, you know, those might be brought back into service. Uh, one item on your foray was additional events. I would just like to mention one that was fairly successful back in the early 1980s, which was called Breakers to Bay Run, which was obviously a play on the Bay to Breakers Run. That was a 6K run that we started in uh, down by uh, Fort Baker and ended up at City Hall in Sausalito, a 10K run, 10K, I said 6K, 10K run. And uh, we did that in early 82, 83, 84, whatever. And it was tied in with the Chamber of Commerce the first couple of years. And then um, I think the last year we did that, it was tied in with the art festival and you got a free ticket to the art festival as a participant in that foot race that brought quite a few people into town. So just mention those as some possibilities. Thank you, I've never heard of Breakers to Bay. It's a great idea. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. Serge, at this time, any other public comments? Chair Riley, I see no further hands raised at the moment. All right, thank you everyone for, for your great ideas and support. Um, okay, at this time, I'd like to move on to item 4C and welcome our mayor, Janelle Kelman, um, along with Cass Green, who are gonna provide a readout on the work they've been doing at the Sea Level Rise Task Force. Uh, and um, so with that, uh, Mayor Kelman and Cass. Unmute, yeah. Thank you, Chair Riley. Um, Cass, are you ready to give our presentation? <laughs> I've got the map ready to go. Hey, fantastic. <laughs> um, well, forgive me because I know some of you have seen this. So I'm going to go through the presentation that Cass and I did for the City Council. Um, but uh, feel free to interrupt me or we can wait for questions at the end. Um, I know that this uh, organization's committee has specific slant and angle they want to focus on. So happy to cover those questions. Um, there will be time at the end of the presentation for Cass to show us an extremely interesting uh, interactive map as well. So um, let me just um, try to make my slideshow system work here. Okay, and if someone could confirm you actually see my slides as opposed to my speaker notes. Okay, great. Uh, well, I don't need to tell you all uh, what we're looking at, but in case somebody doesn't know, uh, welcome to um, Gate 5 Road and Heath on a, a rainy, but uh, actually sort of sunny day. This is uh, called a king uh, tide uh, flood or sunny day flooding. That happens when we have these king tide surges, which we often have in Sausalito. Um, this has been a major issue for us uh, for years now, so much so that in 2011, there's actually a staff report from the city council evaluating different engineering options for how to address this. Um, so 11 years later, we still haven't fixed it, but I think we have some opportunities now to address this infrastructure and move forward. Um, so in light of things like that and some clear impacts from 
changing conditions in, in climate. Uh, Mayor Hoffman uh, last year went ahead and created the Sea Level Rise Task Force. So this was designed really to focus on the infrastructure impacts from sea level rise. So uh, we'll run through today four different uh, aspects of this presentation, the focus. So why did we do this? Uh, the process, what we followed and to come up with our findings, what type of assessment we came up with and what conclusions we reached. This is uh, the extra credit moment. I don't know if anybody knows what this is. Um, this is Thwaites Glacier. Uh, the uh, ice shelf for Thwaites Glacier is melting rapidly. Thwaites Glacier right now already contributes 4% of the meltwater uh, to our oceans globally. If this were to fall off, we would then have an average increase of 65 centimeters across our oceans worldwide. And so what happened at COP26, which was the International Gathering of Nations to talk about climate impacts back in November, is that nations finally realize that even if we were to address mitigation and only try to mitigate greenhouse gas emissions, the problem of sea level rise is happening and it's already, it can't be changed. Even if we turn the spigot off on emissions tomorrow, we wouldn't be able to stop uh, the, the rise of waters because of what's already happened. So um, in Sausalito, what does that mean to us? Well, Gate 5 Road, um, North 101, which isn't really Sausalito proper, but we've all experienced trying to get off of Manzanita, uh, and beach erosion at Swedes Beach, Tiffany Beach. There's many, many signs that Sausalito is being impacted. Um, Sausalito City Council has, of course, recognized this. Last October, we held a workshop, and we reviewed in depth the need to uh, create a more resilient and sustainable infrastructure. And by infrastructure, I mean our sewer system, um, our stormwater uh, system, our major access routes in the face of sea level rise. So this is uh, this was our first big storm event last October. You may uh, recall this. Uh, this is Duffy Park um, on the right and the far left. Uh, on the far left, um, I'm sure Kevin McGowan could articulate this better for me, but my understanding is we didn't account for subsidence or so sinking land. the entire park, um, including up to the gazebo on the right-hand side. Uh, and the middle image is from Gate 5 Road. So on any given day, whether it's raining or not, you can see major impacts uh, from flooding to our infrastructure on our low-lying areas. So the task force was formed by the mayor with really three main goals. Um, understand our vulnerabilities and see what opportunities we have for infrastructure improvements. Look at the interplay of other factors, such as subsidence, which is when the fill begins to sink, uh, storm surges, king tides, and groundwater upswells. And then try to identify some specific strategic opportunities to get the community engaged, look at some options, uh, both short-term and long-term, so that we can address this today. Uh, we had this most amazing task force, Cass knows this, uh, because Sausalito, not surprisingly, has experts in this field. Um, so uh, notwithstanding uh, the council members and uh, who were there, we also had um, our chair of our planning commission. We had uh, Cass Green, who's your, of course, EDAC vice chair, who is also a nationally known GIS mapping expert. Um, I don't know if you know, she's written a textbook on Esri, which makes me very excited. Uh, right, right here in our backyard, um, we also had uh, members from Sustainable uh, Beautiful with experience around marketing, community engagement, uh, wildlife ecologists, uh, wetlands and estuary experts, uh, as well as climate activists. So this was a, a really um, well 
uh, managed, but also a well-staffed uh, uh, group. And so we enjoyed each other very much and, and really, I think, were able to work together quite well. Uh, so we went ahead and we focused on four macro areas, communications, solutions, collaboration, and, and funding. And, and as, as we did this, we actually wanted to have deliverables that we could bring to the council. So we developed a number of different tools over the nine months that we were together. Um, the website, which you've probably seen that Abbott uh, so kindly put up for us, uh, as well as a survey, uh, as well as some FAQs. But we also put together a list of collaboration partners. Um, we have our interactive map. We did initial vulnerability assessment. We looked for pilot opportunities. And then we had a list of 15 plus uh, recommendations in a 20 page report to the council. So Cass knows I'm extremely excited about this interactive map because what it does is it takes the six different sea level rise scenarios from the state and it layers it on to our infrastructure. Uh, and by infrastructure, again, we mean water infrastructure uh, points, uh, utility lines, um, and it does so in a way that allows you to zoom in and out to see what the different uh, six different scenarios will, will potentially do for you. And so this is just a screenshot and Cass will share her screen and, and kind of guide us through it. Um, but this is a particular scenario where you can see the uh, yellow dots are actually the city of Sausalito storm drains, which we got probably from a CAD file or, or from a GIS file. Uh, we have our city of Sausalito water infrastructure points, pipelines, um, we have building outlines, we have contours. And so by zooming in and out, you can see, wow, a lot of our infrastructure is in the low lying areas. And as we go through the different scenarios, they're impacted in, in different ways. So this is, I know, a, a thick slide, uh, but I wanted to include it because we are very careful to work closely with a number of different partners. We've probably had over 30 meetings with scientists and regulators, um, county, state, federal. We spent a lot of time with the folks from NOAA. Um, I spent a, a many calls with folks from USGS to understand what the models were, what the data sources were. So when we, we brought this to the council, this was information and data that was proven and tested by scientists out in the field. We didn't, we didn't make this up. Um, I couldn't make this up if I tried, I wouldn't know how. So we really, our methodology was quite rigorous. Uh, we, we pulled very um, diligently from NOAA's five-step methodology, uh, from BCDC, and from the uh, California State Governor's Office uh, on emergency planning and services. So if anybody's interested in that, we certainly can go into in detail. Um, methodology is really important because uh, the number one problem when dealing with various sea level rise issues and climate really is that oftentimes communities don't feel engaged. They don't understand the issue. They don't know why it impacts them and they don't feel like they could be a part of the, of the solution. And so across all of the different trainings that we did to put our information together, we really wanted to emphasize just how important this is that the community be a part of this. So on this, this is a uh, adaptation of the NOAA methodology for stakeholder engagement. We actually only got to about two and a half um, because that's all really, you know, we were suited to do in terms of our expertise. And so the city now has the opportunity to dive in, create a vision, look at some, some options and develop a pathway uh, for the future. Uh, so again, if anybody wants to nerd out with me, uh, I'm happy to direct you to a number of different resources, lots of white papers and models and, and data uh, available out there. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, we really focused on collaboration, um, of course, within the city. So we sat down with city staff, we presented to sustainability, to disaster preparedness. We talked to Kevin, we talked to the police department. 
Uh, but then we also went to the county and the stakeholders within Marin County, and then a number of regional and national experts. And you can see that font gets really, really small at the bottom because we met with a lot of people. So as I mentioned, our goal really was to identify the assets that are vulnerable to sea level rise from flooding or erosion, and then hopefully to assist staff in prioritizing those projects and those budgets. So we didn't have to recreate the wheel. Uh, Marine County in 2017 put together something called the Bay Wave 2017 Vulnerability Assessment. It's a really very thick document. Uh, we went through it and created an 18 page line by line spreadsheet. We brought it into the Director of Public Works and um, I think we almost gave him a heart attack. So we pulled it back and we showed him the map and then it all, became, it all came together because we really showed uh, different levels of vulnerabilities that we need to figure out a way to embrace and work within and work within our capital improvement program, work within our general plan update, within our planning code. The interesting thing about this vulnerability list is it does let you prioritize the vulnerabilities. Um, so the 12 high level vulnerabilities from Bay Wave included wastewater and stormwater. Um, you guys were just talking about the marine ship, the marine ship economy, obviously being um, uh, shoreline, shoreline businesses, ferry landing and parking. When you start to think about the impacts from flooding and the long-term uh, you know, resiliency needs, and you think about it in terms of economic development, you, you start to see some opportunities really to, to take action now. So one of the questions that sometimes we get is about risk. Um, and I think the question kind of is, well, why should I spend time thinking about low probability sea level rise projections, giving all the priorities that I need to think about? And so I wanna give a, um, a comparison to, to seismic uh, risks that we have. So uh, I think when I presented this to the council, someone said, well, we may have a 7.2 uh, magnitude earthquake according to USGS. And it's the same risk as maybe the middle term of the sea level rise risk. And that might be true. Uh, however, our planning codes and our zoning codes take into account seismic risks. We don't do that right now for sea level rise. And that's a, a major um, signal from the state and from the regulators how important it is to plan for risk, right? And so the probabilities attached to the map that we're gonna show you actually don't even account for the more rapid loss of the Antarctic ice sheet. So it's actually possible that they're more likely to occur than stated. But, the, but more importantly, one thing to consider is that although the probability of the highest scenario is unknown, when you're dealing with high stakes, long-term decisions like critical infrastructure, you do apply the highest risk case in your planning. And we know this because that's how the seismic specific building codes got integrated across California. And so we do have those lessons learned that we can really draw from. So um, vulnerabilities are actually opportunities because it lets us plan ahead. Uh, and so we made some immediate suggestions and some of these are actually already in progress. Plan for infrastructure with sea level rise lens, engage the community. Um, but for uh, the sake of today's conversations, I wanna introduce you to this really amazing program in Amsterdam. Uh, maybe you thought this was Sausalito, but it could be. This is the Schoonship. This is a sustainable floating neighborhood. It's a cutting edge community of floating villas in Amsterdam, uh, in the north part of the city. And what's really cool about this is that the site will be energy self-sufficient. So every one of these structures has renewable energy on top of it, has solar panels. It's gonna recover nutrients from organic waste streams. It'll employ circular building practices 
and it'll serve as a showcase for sustainable living. We can do this. We actually, in, in many of our communities here on, that are floating homes, we have some semblance of this. Um, and so one kind of aspirational idea I wanna put forward to this group is what would it take to become the Shunship of the West Coast or of North America to really be the leaders? Because we do have the assets to make this happen. So again, um, that's kind of an immediate uh, target we can look at. We did develop some medium and long-term actions uh, for the council to, to consider. Some of these overlap with some suggestions made by the Landslide Task Force. Um, and I will tell you, we will be revisiting some of the suggestions from the Landslide Task Force um, in the next couple of months. And so we welcome input on how we might solve interconnected problems um, with one fell swoop. And so that's, that'll be a goal for us. Uh, and so finally, um, you know, our report recommendations, we delivered this on the 16th of last year. Again, immediate, medium, and long-term opportunities. Uh, the next steps are really to complete a SOSLIA-specific vulnerability assessment. Uh, we do need to sit down and look at our planning and permitting requirements and figure out how to accommodate the sea level rise risk and plan for infrastructure in that same way. And that includes sea level rise in our climate decisions um, and in our hiring decisions so that we can develop things holistically when we're planning both from a policy uh, and a prioritization perspective. So with that, I will pause and if anyone has questions or uh, actually, if you don't mind, I'd love if Cass would uh, show off the map real quick. Sure, thank you, Mayor Tolman. Thanks, Cass. Um, working on this task force has been one of the funnest things I've done. Uh, I've really enjoyed it very much. And now we're gonna show you off the map and working with Mayor Kelman and the rest of the task force has been incredible. So I wanna make sure everybody can actually see the map now. Can you see it? It's yeah. not loaded yet. Okay. Yeah. Just tell me when you can see it. Still, it says I'm screen sharing. We just get a message that you have started screen sharing but we can't see your screen. You know, I've got fiber optic in this house and it <laughs> lately, it doesn't seem like it. <laughs> so um, uh, maybe we won't be able to do this that well. Uh, how, about, how about I do it, Cass, although you're much better at explaining. Yes, please, you do it. Okay, I'm gonna try. Okay. So uh, Cass, maybe walk us through um, the data sources and what the methodology was for, for developing this. Cass has to stop screen sharing because we can't see anything. Oh. Can you guys, you can't not see mine? No. Hmm. Adam Mayor, Cass Green will need to stop sharing and then you'll be able to hear yeah. this. And it appears that Cass Green has um, froze. I have frozen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Cass, just talk us through it and then it'll, it'll come up at some point. Yeah, we hope. Uh, I can't even see you guys anymore. I think I've had a major failure. But at least you can hear me. So anyway, the, the map is an interactive map. You can zoom and zoom in and zoom out. It has several base layers, which include the, um, just a basic map of Sausalito. And on top of that, you can put aerial imagery of Sausalito and then also shaded relief, which shows the topography of the town. Then we have several layers uh, that are in the map. 
and that includes um, the water infrastructure, the Okay, I think we've lost Cass, but if you can see my screen. Um, yeah. You cannot? Yes, we can. Yes. Yeah, so uh, what Cass was able to do, and again, we worked with the, the county, um, Marin Maps, uh, Kevin McGowan was extremely helpful, Kevin Rahman from the Sanitation District, City of South Sudan storm off. drains. And, and you have a, a toggle here, uh, just an eyeball, turn it on and off, and you could hopefully see these little yellow dots that come on and off. These mm -hmm. are our storm drains. Uh, we have building footprints, parcel boundaries, water infrastructure points, uh, water pipelines, vegetation, and some contours. And uh, then she layered in the different sea level rise scenarios from uh, the state. Now, what's really, I think, interesting uh, about this is that as you, here, let me try to get one here. Uh, the, actually, the point I wanted to make is that in terms of solving interconnected problems, this idea that we have a map now that shows our parcel boundaries with our infrastructure. Uh, I've been trying to convince Chris, uh, our city manager, that this is equally useful to our new property manager um, who wants to be able to utilize this to assess our, our, our boundaries and uh, what we own underwater and what we own on land. Um, and so we're able to use this, I don't know if I can turn these layers on, to be able to zoom in and see the impacts from sea level rise uh, on a per parcel basis, and then on a basis related to different infrastructure points. Trying to pull it up, but it's a uh, user error on my part. <laughs> so I'll just pause there. Hey, Janelle, when, yeah. you know, we talked about this at, what was the city council meeting in November or something? City council October 30th. Meeting? October 30th. So I think for EDAC, we can forward the staff report that has all the links in it, right? Do we have, and Cass, anybody can, well, Cass is still frozen. But we're, put, we're putting this on the website, Jill, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's super interesting and um, a ton of work and it was really great, really great tool. Well, I'll just share one. Thank you, Mayor Kelman, and thank you, Vice Chair Cass Green. Um, amazing amount of work that you all did in such a short amount of time and organized so efficiently and so informative. So uh, thank you for that. And uh, let's uh, open up to see if there's any questions from EDAC members. John. Hey John. Oh, thanks, this is uh, great. A lot of really amazing information here. Um, I wanted to ask about uh, uh, subsidence during the general plan process when we were using all the bay wave information there was a discussion about radar uh, lidar data needed to be used to have more real-time measurements of our sinking that's going on so how is that incorporated into these models um, how real time is that or how how recent is is uh, the level of the ground data Cass, you want to address that So, frozen, yeah, think. John, I'll just tell you, um, so the city and the county have both flown LIDAR in the last 10 years. We have some very granular LIDAR, and so this map includes that. This is more granular than what the county has to offer. So I took it to Baywave and I showed the county um, head of Department of Public Works. They then met with the folks who built this um, on our behalf, and they're going to come out with their own version now. 
um, based on what we've modeled. And I've uh, actually talked to several other local uh, council members about extending this to their communities as well. But it's a great question because we are built on fill. Um, not all of them are in ship, but much of them are in ship. Not all of the waterfront in the downtown, but some of it. Uh, and so when you have uh, subsidence uh, at the same time, as you have sea level rise going down and water's going up. Um, Cass, can you comment on the LIDAR? She may not have heard the question. She just uh, signed back. I can't unmute. You're unmuted. You're back. Not here. We can hear you, Cass. What? We can hear you. Oh, oh. you can. Okay, good. Because it said its host is not allowing participants to unmute. Okay, good. What was the question again, Janelle? Sorry about that. My whole Zoom no just problem. blew up on me. Can you, can you just comment on the importance of LIDAR data in Sausalito? Oh, and, oh and yeah. The, the LIDAR, actually, Sausalito's yeah. got excellent LIDAR. And um, the importance is that it gives you the really, really fine scale resolution of the topography. So if you're looking at the, at the sea level rise going up, the resolution that you've got from LIDAR data is really outstanding. So the models use LIDAR data for, um, that is a little bit older than what Sausalito actually has and a little bit coarser. It's from 2018, but it's very powerful. The very detailed 3D. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I had a question, uh, Mayor Cullen. I, I love the idea of more floating homes, especially combined with, you know, addressing sea level rise. I mean, that's wonderful. Um, as part of the housing element discussions, is that, are we uh, pursuing those kind of opportunities and have we identified waterfront spaces where potentially put homes? Uh, I hope you make that public comment on Thursday at the workshop, uh, because we, we absolutely should be. We have a constraint from BCDC, which is a state uh, entity, the Bay Conservation Development Commission. Um, and you're not, the basic is you can't put fill in the bay. And so if you put a pylon in or you um, dredge material, you're putting fill in the bay. There's also a concern about eelgrass. Um, I did hear recently though from our supervisor that the historic concern around the environmental issues is being now weighed against the need for additional housing and to do it in a resilient and environmentally sustainable way. And so I think they are becoming more open to that opportunity. Um, and I think it is something that Sausalito really should look at. It's, it's so on brand for us. We know how to do this uh, and it makes a lot of sense. And I think it can be utilized uh, in a more amphibian kind of way as well. You don't necessarily need to always have a, a floating home because a lot of these homes actually don't float. I don't know if people know that. Um, they actually are on uh, piers that aren't moving up and down. And so their infrastructure is being impacted. And so the level of flotation um, is uh, varies. I'm, I'm simplifying it, uh, Malcolm, but <laughs> the level of flotation uh, varies from houseboat community to houseboat community. I have a silly question if I may. Um, and I see Chris Gallagher is not on the, the meeting today, but does the Bay model have any um, sea level rise simulations built in where we could visibly they go don't. demonstrate yeah, the, that? The, no. the Bay model is actually all um, manual. It's not computerized yet, but I did just get uh, last week an email from the folks that run the Bay Aquarium in the city that they're gonna be doing a massive upgrade um, and project, I think at the Bay model to depict sea level rise. So I think that is something in, in the works and I'll get that info and pass it back. Great. I think that would be a great way to sort of drive the point home if we could, you know, take people down to the Bay model or something like the aquarium and say, look, here's your house. <laughs> right. Here's your house in 10 years. 
Map them that that's actually what the map is supposed to do. I agree the Bayway is a great tool, uh, but that the map has got building footprint and the sea level rise. And so you see your house or your business being flooded. Great, thank you. Okay, um, thank you to our presenters. Uh, at this time, I'd like to open up item 4C to public comment. Uh, and this was our discussion on the, C, the findings from the sea level rise task force and the recommendations. Serge, can you let me know if there's any public comment at this time? Chiarelli, uh, I see no hands raised at the moment. Thank you, Serge. Again, thank you all for that great report and uh, great, great work. Uh, exciting. And I'd love to play with that map at some point, Cass. Um, okay. Chiarelli, may, may I just add, add one more little anecdote for y'all? Um, I'm sure most of you know Reason Bradley, a universal sonar mount. Um, so Reason doesn't just create mounts for sonars. He actually has done significant amount of mapping. Um, and so his his skill set and the 10 or 12 patents he holds right here in our backyard have been utilized uh, by various entities and academic and research institutions for some of this work around climate change. So um, you should all be proud we have that in our ecosystem. Thank you. And a wonderful segue, Mayor, to our next item, 4D, which is to get an update on the inventory we're doing in the Brinship and understanding the diversification of businesses we have and how we continue to support them. And so Walter's not with us today. John, I was hoping you could provide us an update. Well, I think uh, Rachel will do it today, yeah. if that's okay. Rachel? Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm not sure I want to follow that presentation. So uh, our, our updates this month um, are around where we are with inventory. We are looking at our spreadsheet. We've been organizing, sorting, and aggregating the data we've collected. We just had two of our volunteers come back um, with their efforts. They did several buildings for us. And so um, we're waiting on one more volunteer who's bringing more information. And we estimate with their information will be around 70% complete. So we feel pretty confident that we could at this point um, provide some kind of data spreadsheet of what we have so far to the city um, as we continue our efforts. But there is a fairly comprehensive piece um, that we can provide. And then, uh, yeah, just checking in again, it would be great if anyone's interested in joining our efforts. A couple of volunteers in the next month, I think would make a really big difference for us and make this go a bit faster. As we know, we're very aware of the new projects coming in and um, it would be great to be able to inform choices going forward with all of the hard work we've done. So ready for questions. Rachel, um, two questions. Can we agendize this for the a meeting for a month from now to go through the data that you have? I think it'll be you know, eye-opening for us to see. And yeah. uh, then a suggestion, why don't we, uh, and you can provide me two or three dates and I can send them out to all the members of, you know, kind of two hour windows when we can come out and help. And uh, and I would just like to encourage you. I did it one time with um, Rachel and John and learned quite a bit. And so um, I think if we, we put dates out there with a couple hours, uh, we can get a few volunteers in this group. That would be awesome. Thank you, Tom. Any questions for Rachel? Well, Rachel and John, I know Malcolm has been helping out uh, and whatever other volunteers, thank you for your efforts. Um, I believe you did get the extended letter from uh, the city manager, so we should be covered there. Um, so hopefully- Yes, we thank you. 
get you some more assistance and wrap that up. Okay, at this time, I'd like to see if there's any public comment on item 4D. I see we have a hand up. Um, Serge, I'm going to skip you since I see Peter's hand up. Uh, Peter Van Meter, can you uh, unmute? Yes, Peter. All right, yes, thank you. Um, I was thinking of, I think it was uh, one of you, it might have been Cass, who at the last meeting raised a concern about uh, EDAC looking like an enforcement agency as opposed to a data gathering agency. And uh, I'm concerned about that. I think that you need to be really thinking about what is the end game if you're going to be gathering data to give over to the city. And it's going to be looking like it, like EDAC is actually becoming an enforcement agency. And uh, I don't really think that it's, it's that role. And if the vision is that somehow uh, as you detect uh, non-compliance that Landlords will be then, I don't know, evicting tenants, rolling back rents uh, if they are in non-compliance. And by the way, I'm not arguing in favor of non-compliance. Don't get me wrong on this. I'm just trying to address reality here that uh, if someone has a lease and they have an unauthorized use in that space, uh, what is your expectation of what's going to happen? It seems to me the only thing that can happen is that if that space becomes vacant in the future, then the landlord has to be in compliance with whatever new tenant comes in but to change the rules under which a current tenant is operating uh i think that's going to be kind of problematical it'd be a, a nice dream but it's kind of like wish thinking uh i'm also concerned because if one of your uh surveyors is also filing complaints with the city against tenants who seem to be in non-compliance then that really does look like a conflict of interest to me because that does give the impression that EDAC is in fact becoming an enforcement agency. So I just, you know, alerting that I think that as one who's observing your process, this is a little bit problematical as to how far you go with this. Uh, collecting information is one thing, uh, but then what happens to that information, I think is pretty important to be considering. Uh, if your goal was diversity, as your committee talked about, fine. You can see what the tenants are doing, develop marketing programs to seek additional diversity, that's fine. But another issue here is that this is an incubator space in Sausalito, small tenant spaces. If somebody wants to have 25,000 square feet in an expansion, they're not going to be able to get that in Sausalito. Regretfully, we don't just have those kind of spaces. So there's got to be a balance of what's available in terms of the uh, properties that we have. Uh, how we become in conformance, but uh, I just recommend that EDAC be very careful about becoming an enforcement agency. Thank you. Thank you for your comments, Peter. Very much appreciated. Uh, Serge, at this time, is there any other public comment on item 4D? Chair Riley, there are no other hands raised at the moment. Okay, I'd like to move to item 4E uh, and just a discussion on. Uh, retail vacancy. Um, I have down Monica and Bob. And also, um, we invited our new staff member managing our properties, Mike Wagner, to the discussion. So, Monica, would you like to lead this discussion, please? Monica, we're not hearing you. Yeah, yeah. I think you know from some of our past conversations that we've been tracking. Um, the vacancies in the city and we have about 17 16 17 that are listed some have varying reasons why they're not coming forward but 
what we plan to do uh, this week is we scheduled a meeting with about 22 landlords, uh, not all of whom have a vacant space, but many of them do. And we want to introduce them to uh, Chris Zapata, the city manager, to inform them of some of the steps that we've taken to improve the process and some of the new staffing and uh, that's available now on the city to help accelerate some of the movement. And also, I told a couple of them some of the things that we've been able to accomplish, and they're like surprised. So I said, don't give up hope. We're making a lot of changes, and we want to hold your hands through the process. So um, that's happening on Wednesday with Chris and Heidi and with Tom. Uh, and I think we'll have a pretty uh, varied turnout on that. Um, the next thing that's in process is I've been photo photographing all the vacants spaces and we'll put together a broker mailing that will go out to the Marin County and some of the San Francisco retail brokers and make them aware of some of the things that are happening here in the city and what's available and some of the changes and things like that. The goal in this meeting with roundtable with the landlords is to begin a dialogue that you know they have as much interest in the business in Sausalito that we do but I think in the past there's been a little bit of divergence from that because I think they feel a little bit um, left out in some of the conversations, but I don't. I think we're changing that, and I think it's moving in the right direction. So that's uh, what I can report on that. We do have uh, Hotel Sausalito has been approved to lease up the full uh, Bridgeway space and the uh, El Portal space with a new coming incoming restaurant and tapas and. A wine bar so that takes one of the major visible um, vacancies away and some of the other ones I think are moving along I've heard that there is a tenant uh, in place at um, uh, the barrel house the ground floor at the barrel house so that is uh, also working its way through the retail so I had talked with the landlord today and said look let us hold your hand and and get through get through some of that so I think that's pretty much the update on some of the activities there. Um, I don't know if Bob wants to add anything. Monica, first I want, to, I want to thank you for all your efforts. And this is kind of, you know, hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat out there because every time we fill a vacancy, there's another vacancy coming in. And um, but with the 16 to 17, it's becoming quite apparent that we've got a, a challenge. And so your efforts uh, and, and those of the city staff to, City, you know, yeah. yeah, city staff is really stepping up and totally and having uh, the city manager meeting with the landlords and hearing from them why they're having trouble filling some of the spots uh, are the right things. So thank you for doing that. Um, we've also met with uh, Mike Wagner, who is uh, part of city staff, brought on by Chris Zapata to um, manage city-owned real estate. And... Uh, he has been just tremendous to work with. Um, I don't know if he's joined us. Serge, is he uh, in today's meeting? I can't tell. I assume Serge might be looking. Um, oh. Chair Riley, um, um, we're here. I'm just trying to unmute. Um, there are no hands raised at the moment. Okay. <laughs> and I don't see Mike on the uh, participant list. Um, but it'll be nice to have him come join us and maybe uh, share his remit in a future meeting. But um, one of the things 
what we've talked about in the past is uh, what is the overall strategy for managing city-owned properties and all the leases we have and it's something that he's going to start tackling so we're excited to have mike on on the team and on city staff we've been great to work with okay at this time i'd like to open up for public comment on item 4e which was a discussion led by monica about retail vacancies and the actions underway uh, Serge, can you see if there's any public comment? Chair Riley, and there are no hands raised for public commenter. Okay, let's move on to um, item 5A, which is a report out on the business improvement district. Um, and I will share a couple thoughts and maybe Monica can add in here. Um, we were introduced by our city manager to a uh, vendor who has helped many cities put in place business improvement districts. Um, and it was a number of us uh, from the marketing subcommittee that met with this vendor. And uh, he just was, it was an education discussion for us to understand what a business improvement district is, how they're set up. Um, interesting enough, on our next item, we'll find that the city council uh, in their list of priorities is asking us to look into a business improvement district. So we'll have more discussions about this going forward, but I did want to report out that we have uh, met with a vendor just to get ideas. Um, in summary, this vendor says that Sausalito is so small that we would want to have one business improvement district that kind of covers the city. Uh, the uh, business improvement district is basically um, uh, effectively a tax that's placed on businesses based on um, street footage and square footage. Uh, it includes the city. The city also contributes into this business improvement district based on the same metrics. And you set this up as a nonprofit with a board that oversees how those funds are used to invest um, behind things that all the businesses um, agree on. And those could be things from beautification to safety. Um, it really depends on what you're trying to achieve. Um, so I'll leave it there and see if Monica has any additional comments or Cass was part of that, even Julie. I think you covered it well in terms of the, the beginning stages of it. I think we do need to evaluate how it could work in the smaller, this is one of the smaller cities they would have done. So I think we need to evaluate that and then start working with the landlords, whether they find it as a viable option. It's, it's meant to really unify the businesses and the landowners in that particular DID location. For example, if you know Union Square and have noticed lately, maybe not now is the right time to focus on it, but they really have done a lot of work on marketing, safety cleanup and things like that outside of what the city has done and it was remarkably improved during the course of the time that they've been working on i think it's probably been uh really affected with COVID and the vacancies and everything that is downtown but it's definitely a possibility they've also established one in hayes valley and one of the owners in sausalito is a member of that particular uh, bid and uh, it'll be interesting to hear, they just started it, so it'll be interesting to hear what he thinks about the effectiveness of it. So it's the beginning phases and we'll see where we go from there. And I'd like to just add, and that was a good job for both of you, that the most poignant thing he said that I heard 
was that by having a business development district, you stop having to take the pin, tin cup out every time mm -hmm. you want to do something to promote your city. Because a business development district you know, generates revenues for the district that then can be used um, systematically to promote the city. And I thought that was really, really well said. And, and, and that this is probably something we really need to pursue. It's going to depend ultimately on the landlords and their belief in what in a business development district and if they want to move forward with it. But I, I think it would be a great asset to the city. Great. So um, interesting enough, our next item we'll see this is one of the priorities the city council asked us to look into. So we'll have future discussions on this. Um, but at this time, any other questions from um, EDAC council members? Okay, I'd like to open up for public comment on item 5A, which was to report out on the idea of a bid in a meeting that we had. Uh, Serge, is there any public comment at this time? Chair Riley, there are no hands raised at the moment. Okay, moving to item 5B. Um, so this is um, feedback we received from city council on our next priorities. Uh, just to summarize for everyone, we went through a two month process where we had a shared spreadsheet where each of you uh, selected 10 projects out of 70 that we've collected over the years uh, that we think should be areas that we'd all work on. Um, from those, we also got some direction from our, our council liaisons um, and we identified 12 that we presented to city council to get their feedback. Uh, city Council actually had a very robust discussion and a voting process to uh, give us some direction. So I'm going to share my screen. Hopefully. And that's not the one I wanted to share, but this one. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, can my screen be seen? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, uh, and, and thank you to Serge, who's uh, helping us with this meeting. He put up this spreadsheet uh, in real time and asked each of the council members to select their top five items from here. And um, you can see where they placed their votes and the total counts. And what I thought would be interesting is to look where we have a majority of council members, so at least three, that have aligned. And that comes up with four top priorities that I thought we'd discuss. The number one priority is number one on this list, which was to look at business improvement districts uh, per our last conversation. The next priority um, was for us to work on our brand identity. And this is something our mayor has been uh, consistent with us about, um, that everything that we try to do and promote should come back to a consistent brand. Um, that can be carried throughout all our activities. The third one is to conduct a public parking and traffic study. And this has been near and dear to one of our members, uh, Bob Lalonde. Um, the fourth one is to, we've discussed in the past, to revise our formula retail requirements. And not that we want to stop the restriction on formula retail, but how can we not scare away kind of smaller businesses that might have three or four stores that we think could really add to our mix. And how do we phrase that so that 
we can attract the business we want, but keep out the form of the change that we don't desire. Um, and so those are the top four items that I thought, everything on here is something we should eventually get to, but we need to prioritize our times. And I thought we should discuss uh, if we should collectively pursue those four items. So it would be working on a business improvement district, working on our brand, um, engaging with staff on a public parking and traffic study, and um, looking at the formula retail requirements. Let me just open it up for discussion uh, from the group here. Yes, Scott. Hey, Tom, I would just love to hear, um, you know, my, my background in PR and marketing, I have um, a very specific opinion and, and ideas of, of what, what I mean and what I think of when I think of the brand um, of Sausalito, but I would love to hear some other thoughts from, from the, the um, our council liaisons. Um, and the vice mayor as well, if she's still on the line, or the, excuse me, mayor, Mayor Kelman, if she's still on the line, just to hear, you know, some of more of what the city's thinking around um, what a brand of Sausalito would be, um, because I think there's there's a lot that can go into that. That could be a logo, that could be signage, um, that could be an advertising campaign, um, that could be messaging workshops that we we get consistent messaging with how we talk about the city. So, um, you know, I just love some added color there, if you could. So I can speak for myself and uh, and maybe the mayor would like to chime in. Uh, but when we were thinking about this last year, the notion was uh, to engage in a process that distills what our brand is and almost um, process for reaffirming what we want it to be and have that be a guiding principle for what then drops out of it. So you wouldn't, the logo doesn't drive brand, rather your comprehension of what the brand is drives the logo. And the event doesn't drive the brand, but rather a decision about what the brand is drives the event that you want to, to choose to do. So that was my thinking about what brand is when, when we engaged with, a, with consideration about what kind of agency and what kind of engagement to have in developing a brand. Um, and since I have the floor, I just would mention that in, in public also there, Chair Riley, we, we talked about at least acknowledged the notion that at least my presumption was this bringing of micromanufacturing and maritime businesses was an ongoing EDAC activity um, that was already a priority. Um, and so I don't know if we want to highlight that among your group of the top decision makers or not, since I was the last one to vote and if I had uh, comprehended that I probably would have voted for 11 there instead of two um, to make sure that that activity had continues to receive a, a high priority. Thank you, Councilmember Sobieski. And yes, I mean, our diversification subcommittee is all kind of around um, how we diversify and, and those are the types of businesses we want to support. Anyone else have comments? Just even on Scott's question about brand, I thought uh, Councilmember Sobieski gave a great answer. Um, and Scott's nodding like the right answer. <laughs> okay. Any other thoughts or comments? Um, the, on the public parking and traffic study, um, 
we've been trying to, you know, kind of get momentum here and haven't, but now we've got kind of direction from city council. And um, I really think this is one that we can uh, engage with the consultant and look at. And maybe I can look to our council liaisons. Is this something that you'd like us to work with a consultant and staff on? Um, us to come back with recommendations. So further thoughts on this one, how we can engage? Uh, well, I'd love uh, my colleague to chime up as well, but I know that we need help. Uh, we have uh, budgeted some money to do this work, uh, but the expertise does not exist within Sausalito. I know that um, some members of EDAC have been working on this and uh, it is, uh, of course, there's a lot going on here in town and hard to keep um, our limited staff engaged. But I think now, especially after the city council uh, reaffirmation of this work, uh, both in the vote you're talking about now and also in the, um, uh, in, the in the statement that we wanted to have this work done, uh, I think is uh, now is a great opportunity to um, to help work on this with with the staff and also augment the staff with resources like Parisi and others. And I think those resources are available to uh, to really engage and nail this uh, this traffic and parking study. The reality is, I mean, we all know it. We're missing money. I mean, we have a budget that is stressed. And there are choices we have to make with our budget. And while this is going on, we're literally leaving money on the table because we have a antiquated way of pricing and managing our uh, public parking lots. Um, the city is literally, we argue over where to spend $10,000 here or there, and we're literally leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe more on the table by not uh, bringing modernity to the way we manage our parking lots. Yeah, if I could, Jump into. I agree with um, what Ian uh, his comments and um, looking at how we manage parking. Um, we definitely want to have input from the business community. It's not just a kind of a dry review by our parking director. It's you know are we using our assets efficiently? And when we need surge capacity, are we using methods efficiently? And then also, you know, we are looking to put. Um, a final design on the ballot next spring, right? For the um, for the uh, parking lot one, um, you know, and so we definitely want, you know, the economic team here in town to look at that the proposal for that as well, and um, you know, support it. So, <laughs> yes, does that answer your question? <laughs> yes, thank you, Councilmember Hoffman. Um, very, very helpful. So what, what I, you know, we're coming up with only 10 minutes left here and we do need to get some uh, updates from our liaisons. So what I'd like to suggest is um, on these top four items, um, if you're all in agreement, I'll reach out to some of you to see if I can form some subcommittees. Um, just by our next meeting, maybe come back on each of these items with kind of a list of objectives and approaches of what we try to accomplish and have a discussion around that and then figure out how we organize um, from that point forward to try to work these in parallel um, as, an, as an approach going forward. Um, I think it'd be hard right now with the time we have to try to come up with a working group for each of these, but uh, those of you that are interested can reach out to me on any one of these items. 
and um, we can advance some thinking for our next meeting and have a more thoughtful discussion uh, from there. And I see uh, Vice Chair Green has her hand up. Thank, thank you, Chair Riley. I just have a short question. Um, do we know, are there any members of EDAC that have the expertise in traffic studies? Because that would be really helpful. I spent a lot of money on parking tickets. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I uh, okay. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. All right. Um, at this time, I'd like to see if there's any public comment on this item, which were the top priorities that uh, city council has given us to organize around and start making impact on. So Serge, can you let me know if there's any public comment at this point? Chair Riley, there are no members. Oh, uh, we have Sandra Bushmaker that just rose her hand. And Sandra, you've been unmuted and asked to share your video. Thank you again, Sandra, for joining us. Hi, I just, uh, I have a point of view on the branding issue. I hope that we're not headed toward a rebranding issue. I, I think that our definition as of Sausalito as a working waterfront, or excuse me, as a waterfront destination is also a working waterfront, is also a, a place where we, the waterfront is part of our brand, not necessarily a destination. Uh, as in a tourist destination, but it's more of an integral part of the brand of Sausalito is to be relating to the water. And, and I think we can polish that up. I think we can market that. I think there's, there are things to be said about that, but I don't see it as a destination per se, more of a, um, a personality, if you will. And I hope we don't lose sight of the fact that it is not just a tourist destination, a waterfront tourist destination, but there's more to a waterfront personality or brand, if you will, than that. So I, I hope we keep a broad perspective on that. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra, very wise. And then um, Chair Riley, we have Kevin Carroll and Kevin, you've been unmuted. Yeah, I just I I also attend the PBAC meetings, the Pedestrian and Bicycle Advisory, and there's already been a lot of discussion on the parking, particularly around the ferry landing. Um, and a very recent development was that uh, Golden Gate Ferry is requesting room for about 300 bicycles oh. parking for 300 bicycles in that area so it's under a lot of change right now i think um, but i would just suggest that maybe some coordination with uh, PBAC uh, and kevin and parisi uh, might be in order at this point thanks kevin that is uh, spot on feedback uh, i actually have had uh, a recent conversation with the PBAC folks. So um, any efforts done by EDAC on item three on this list here should be in concert with PBAC's work. And I know they're looking at trying to come up with ideas on how to do staging of bicycles, reservation systems, so forth. So um, thank you. And Chair Riley, there are no other hands raised at the moment. Okay, um, that closes out item 5B. 
Uh, we're on to item 5C, which is uh, staff updates. And I don't know if our city manager is still with us, if he has any updates for us at this time. Uh, Chris Zapata sent me a text that said he had, I'm sorry, Heidi, I didn't oh, no, know you're about to say please, Go ahead, Council Member Sobiet. I just, I'm sorry, I didn't know you're on. I was just gonna say that uh, City Manager Zapata had to go to a meeting um, concerning another issue. So he had to leave early and apologize. Um, was that what you were gonna say, Heidi? Um, I was going to um, add that onto another statement that he asked me to bring to the attention of EDAC. He wanted me to let you know that HDL, which is the company that the city has hired to provide manage revenue management services related to property taxes and sales taxes. They also manage our business licenses. Um, they are on track to come um, present before EDAC in March. So that is all I have to report. Thank you, Heidi, and thank you for following up on that HDL. That's exciting. Um, okay, uh, I will ask um, for our council, president and CEO, our chamber, president and CEO, uh, Julie, if she has any updates for us. Julie Vieira, are you with us still? Sorry, actually, um, Julie asked me to give an update. Um, sorry. That's okay, Teresa. Uh, um, I'd have you give an update from the board. Thank you. Actually, um, I'm gonna leave it at no update because I've been gone for a month. So uh, the visitor center has been doing well and uh, we're just continuing forward. Great. Thank um, you. I do want, we were chit-chatting at the beginning of this meeting before we formally started, but I uh, do want to thank uh, city staff uh, for putting on a great Super Bowl this weekend. Um, there were 400 tickets sold on Saturday, a sold out. Uh, situation for the Super Bowl, and it really brought a lot of a lot of locals, quite frankly, um, to uh, downtown. And it was a great, great event. So thank you to uh, the city staff who put that on. Um, our council members, uh, do you have any updates for us? No, I don't. Ian, yeah. uh, you know, we've I think touched on everything. I yeah. I really appreciate uh, the whole process by which. EDAC has um, solicited the input from the city council and I think there are uh, several great initiatives to pursue and um, and uh, look forward to, to seeing what kind of magic you uh, all can can make. It's been an incredibly productive group since since it was formed a little a year, a little more than a year ago. Yeah, I agree and thanks for bringing the list to the council of the priorities that was super helpful too. So thanks for all your hard work. I'm excited to be part of it. We're excited to have you, Jill. Um, our next meeting will be exactly four weeks from now on March 7th, the first Monday of March from 3 to 5 p.m. Uh, at this time, beyond the topics we discussed here, is there any uh, agenda items that EDAC members would like to request? I see Julie has her hand up. Julie? Sorry, I was trying to calm down the grandkids. Um, I just wanted to remind everybody that we are having the State of the City on March 1st. So if you haven't signed up, we do have to have everybody sign up due to COVID restrictions with the restaurant that we're holding it at. So if you are planning on attending the State of the City, it will be the mayor, the vice mayor, and the city manager that will be speaking. We do have to have you guys sign up. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Um, 
Okay, at this time, I'd like to ask if there's any public comment on uh, our liaison updates or the staff updates. Serge, can you see if there's any public comment? Riley, there are no hands raised. Okay. Um, well, our last meeting went two minutes over. So if we adjourn two minutes early on this meeting, then I get a call at fair. Um, so I think we've completed our agenda. Uh, thank you for a very, very productive meeting and for everyone's uh, volunteering their time, uh, both members and our liaisons, and of course the uh, community members that join us in this meeting. Thank you for all your input. We look forward to talking to each of you in the coming weeks and of course months from now. Thank you all. We'll adjourn the meeting. Thank you.